And here we go. Um, it was truly a masterpiece. I don't know about all that. Ugh, absolutely the worst movie ever. Hands down, bar none, the greatest action spectacular ever. Well, uh, the other one just stuck them up. Are you asking me? I promise I'm not going to sing this time around. Welcome to Don't Be Crazy Podcast. I'm Justin Cavender. With me, as always, is Mr. Zachary Rancourt. Here we discuss and dissect what makes a film, past or present, absolutely amazing or just pure rubbish. It's October, and in the spirit of Halloween and all things spooky, we'll be focusing on horror films. Each week, we'll pick a film from a subgenre of horror like paranormal, monsters, psychological, or otherwise. All that we ask of each other is don't be crazy. Don't be crazy, Zach. Z A C H A R Y. Zachary. <laughs> don't be stealing my shit, neither, none. <laughs> hey, I didn't see no patent on that. Patent pending. Oh, yeah. TM. <laughs> I see no trademark. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I'm, ex- I'm so excited. I love October. It is, uh, by the time this podcast comes out, it will officially be October. But I am very, very excited to talk about Zahor genres. But how are you, my friend? I'm good. No complaints. No complaints. <laughs> Nothing but constraints, but no complaints. Well, I don't got time to complain. I am a busy little bee. I know. You've been you've been slammed at work, it sounds like. Yeah, it's always something. I mean, I have fun. Best job ever. It's just uh, a lot of the work. Never ends. That's, that's okay. We appreciate your, your efforts. Bringing toys to boys and girls across the world. You're kind of like Santa Claus. That is true. Same Scott Calvin. Build. <laughs> We, we can share each other's clothes. That's good. Yeah, there you go. I can always add that red suit into my closet, and it'll be amazing. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. I got to look at this. Man, I got a shower and saw myself in the mirror. I was like, fuck. <laughs> I love when he sh- <laughs> My favorite part in the Santa Claus is when he shaves his face. He goes, yep, I'm in big trouble. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm in big trouble. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty great. Popo shizu. <laughs> <laughs> uh anyway what have you been watching oh man so i watched this movie we're going to talk about uh tonight last week early which i typically don't do i usually watch it uh like the day or two before just so it's fresh in my mind but i watched uh volcano that was i don't remember what year that came out it was in the 90s yeah there you go and uh between that and dante's peak dante's peak it's so much better in my opinion volcano was was okay it was a romp the uh, the graphics were interesting, but I do like the Tommy Lee Jones there. He's like, yeah, Our lava has traveled seven miles. Go get him. That's not. <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, yeah, no, don't 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 get me started. I know, I know, I, know. I shouldn't. <laughs> you don't you don't want to feed the bears there. Yeah. You see, <laughs> you don't, you don't want to wake the dragon. Nope. Yeah. But uh, all right, I... listen up, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Our fugitive has been on the run for ninety minutes. Average foot speed over uneven ground barring injuries is four miles per hour. That gives us a radius of six miles. <laughs> what I want from each and every one of you is a hard target search of every gas station, residence, warehouse, farmhouse, henhouse, outhouse, and doghouse in that area. Checkpoints go up to 15 miles. Your fugitive's name is Dr. Richard Kimball. Go get him. I really do like Tommy Lee Jones a lot. I think he, he's so good in pretty much anything he does. But yeah. Uh, so then I watch, I continued watching What We Do in the Shadows, uh, the TV show. It is on Hulu. It's it's amazing. It's so funny. I want to talk 
hours about it because it's just hilarious and i love all the characters my biggest gripe with hulu is the goddamn commercials they are so loud i have to sit with my remote in my hand to turn it down because it is just blaringly loud and maybe like what we do in the shadows is quiet but geez man it's it's insane and then uh i watched uh, the adams family one and two adams family values <laughs> um hey, i really i really <laughs> that's what i was gonna say I was going to say that too. Eat me. <laughs> but it's uh they're they're both really good. I like those a lot and I appreciate them more with time. Uh and then I I don't want to talk about the last one, but finally I watched uh The Invisible Man with Elizabeth Moss that came out uh, earlier this year. It was one of the first uh premium VOD films to come out due to the coronavirus and theaters being shut down. And I was I was anticipating viewing this film, but I was unsure of if I wanted to pay like the 20 bucks to rent it. It is fantastic. I really enjoyed it a lot. I think Elizabeth Moss is just phenomenal in it. And it was a very psychologically terrifying movie, in my opinion. It had some flaws here and there, but I really, really enjoyed it. And I think it was a a fun movie to view. Uh, I'm not going to tell you to see it. I'm going to let you make up your own opinion if you should see it or not. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But uh, yeah, that's that's it, man. What about you? Um, you know, uh, I forgot. We actually watched The Fugitive over the weekend. <laughs> I know. It's so funny. I know. It cracks me up. Um, I, Alex put it on. And when I got to that part, I was like, I was, I was playing a video game in another room. But as soon as it started, I just started yelling the lines. And as soon as it started going off, I was like, okay. <laughs> Go get him. Yeah. You find that man. How dare you? I like that. Oh, man, I've been busy little B with the motion picture watching on Saturday alone. Uh, we watched, fuck, man, we watched The Fugitive. We watched Jurassic Park 1, 2, and 3, and Charlie's Angels Damn. in one day. And then uh, Sunday we watched Creed, and then uh, I think it might have been Monday we watched Creed 2. Beautiful uh, Creed. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, we, had, we were talking about The Fighter. Uh, either last week or the week before. And I, I was like, man, Creed is just such a superior film. And, and it really is. So I had it on the brain. So I was like, God damn it, I'm going to watch Creed. And I, I love that movie so much. It's so Oh, good. so do I. It's easily my top five of all time. Creed 1 is. I just, I can't. That was one of the greatest theater experiences I've ever had. I just, it wasn't anything utterly insane. It was a pretty small theater. But I was with my brother and my nephew. And there were maybe 10 of us in there. And just, I think we were all so transfixed on the fight scenes and just uh, i don't know it was it was an adventure really really cool and i i loved it i've seen it probably like 20 times since mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. It was a good movie and i was surprised how much of charlie's angels actually was able to quote <laughs> i was like uh, oh, damn i remember a lot of this <laughs> oh, okay so then that so it was the drew barrymore one correct yeah it was Lucy yeah Lou. the mcg um yeah try uh Who's in that movie? It's Cameron Diaz, Drew Barrymore, and Lucy, Lucy Liu, Liu and and Bill Murray. Yeah, and uh, Luke Wilson and uh, Tom Green. <laughs> yeah, the Chad and yeah. uh, uh, and then the Sam Rockwell. Yep, yeah. and uh, yeah, good stuff. Cool. Uh, even they even take uh, Tim Curry and and the Thin Man, creepy thin guy, um, Crispin Glover. Crispin Glover. Yeah, mm-hmm. I do remember that movie quite a bit. Yeah, and, I know, it's and that's called good. kicking your ass. <laughs> yeah, I know it's it's super cheeseball, but I think when it came out, it was just a weird time for movies where it was 
it's kind of like a party. <laughs> I don't know how else to describe it, but like even like Armageddon, right? It's the end of the world. We're like, yeah, fuck yeah, let's get a beer and drink and be up, have fun. And um, I think I do think that that era is a lot like that. Just when you go to the movie, it's just a good time. As yeah. opposed to being too serious. Not that too being too serious is a problem. It was just it just exudes fun. That's <laughs> all I mean. He's oh. in a and Joey's in it too from Friends. He plays Lucy yeah. Lou's boyfriend. <laughs> yeah, he's like, damn you, Salazar. That, that was one of my lines that I remembered. She's like, what? I'm like, it hasn't, it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> Don't worry. It's, it's a thing. She's like, what are you talking about? And I just kept, every time I got up to go to the kitchen, I'm just like, damn you, Salazar. <laughs> so stupid. Right. Anywho. Um, so yeah, busy little, busy little weekend of watching the motion picture shows. Nice. Yeah. Um, are you ready to talk about The Exorcist? Uh, if we have to. You didn't like it? Eh, we'll get to it. Right. <laughs> we don't have it. We can stop right now. I'm fine with that. Fuck that, dude. Let's do. talk about oh, it. Okay. <laughs> uh, no problem. So The Exorcist uh, came out in 1973. I was not even born yet. Sad. <laughs> My cousin was. <laughs> throwing that out there. Um, anywho. <laughs> the movie was directed by William. Do you say Fredkin or Friedkin? How do you? I say think it? I say Friedkin. Friedkin. I'd say, I'd say William Friedkin. My freaking head. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> hey. William Friedkin, uh, who also did the, the French Connection. There, Blue Chips, which is an incredible movie. If you haven't oh, seen yeah. it, I encourage you to check it out. So and good. Rules of Engagement. That's yes, they too. deserve to die. They were killing my Marines. Is that that one? Yes. Yes. Not to be confused with, yes, they deserve to die, and I hope they burn in hell. Burn in hell. <laughs> yes, they uh, deserve to die, and they were the Sith Lord. <laughs> yeah. Yes, they deserve to die, and we need to close this tank. And then, <laughs> the snake's on the plane. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wow. No so ticket. Yeah, I know. That's pretty good. So we have, the movie was written by Mr. William Peter Blatty, who also wrote the screenplay and the novel. One of those doesn't happen too often, but when it does, there are no excuses, right? Yeah. For, for the fine folks that love the book and hate the movie or vice versa. I'm always curious about which movies are better than the book. I'd say Lord of the Rings, but I don't want to get shot. <laughs> throwing that out there. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I tweeted that and I'm heeding with, I'm heeding uh yeah i'm proceeding with caution there we go jeffrey mueller was like you better shut up right now so oh yeah because i love the films more than the books there i said it boom yeah can't can't do that on twitter you get in trouble no way man <laughs> i try to just stick with animals and uh and cute stuff and if i say because my opinion i love that I get... animals <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly what's with the knife we're eating cake or something uh, love that movie. <laughs> That's my favorite quote from the movie too. What's yeah. the knife? We have a cake or something. Um, anywho, uh, the cast stars Ellen Burstyn, Linda Blair, Jason Miller, and the legendary Max von Sadow. Do you like? Uh, do you like this cast? Sure. Yeah, they all yes. went on to do some pretty awesome stuff. So yeah, yeah, not too shabby. Uh, I think Max von Sydow has been like old my entire life. But what's interesting yeah. is when I when I looked <laughs> right. it up, he wasn't even that old when this movie came out. He just looks old. Well, you remember <laughs> what, we were, 
what we were talking about um, in the Jaws podcast when we did, uh, we were talking about Robert Shaw and how he was like 47 40? and the yeah. man looked like he was 75. So they just, yeah, they treat themselves differently back in those DZs. Yeah. So, yeah. Now we're all filled with veggie patties, so we're healthy. <laughs> and rice. <laughs> Tepatio. Tepatio. <laughs> <laughs> That's me. I love oh. it. That's awesome. Careful with the soy. It gives you the man boobs there, so <laughs> you're going to have to work to not have those. You have to work as a waitress at a cocktail bar. So you... Yeah, that much is true. <laughs> uh, getting into the critical reception. This movie is renowned for being amazing, and it sounds like Mr. Zachary is not on board with that. He's not drinking that Kool-Aid. It's tainted. But on the old uh, Rotten Tomato meter there, it is at a whopping 83%. Excuse me. Uh, which is pretty good. I'm not going to lie. That's a, that's a pretty stellar score. Uh, let's see here. Kathleen Carroll from New York and Daily News. She says, The Exorcist may not be a great film. It is, however, a brilliantly successful horror movie. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I always like it when someone says film in one sentence and then movie in another. <laughs> It's a policeman I, officer. Yeah. I, always, I always think it's funny. When I'm referring to a specific film, I will say film. But if I'm referring to a, a generalization like what she is here with horror, um, then I'll say movie. Like, I'm going to go watch a movie. Um, I just always think it, it always reads funny that way. Right. Um, yeah. Well, let's see here. Uh, Simone de Rosfer says, from Polygon, says, a product of its time. In the best ways. Hmm. Hmm. I think there is something to be said about 70s horror and late 60s horror. There was a uh, some sort of gore factor <laughs> like this. There was an envelope or a line or whatever, and they're pushing it. And some movies had the shock factor. And I think this movie for 1973 definitely had some shock factor. Oh, I completely and, uh, agree. And you're just like, oh, shit. <laughs> How did that get past somebody? <laughs> um, man, like when she's got the the crucifix and she's saying bad uh, things and mutilating her genitalia. Um, yeah, that's hardcore, man. You're going to want to dip that thing in alcohol and it's a, put some ointment on that. <laughs> yeah, you're going to need some crucifix need some ointment. ointment there. <laughs> yeah. I love that we have these like callbacks to certain things, little inside jokes, and yeah. you have to listen to the entire "Don't Be Crazy" library to kind of comprehend them all. It's like a book, see? It's yeah. like a book. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, Football's Day and Groundhog's Day. <laughs> it's Exorcist Day. It's Exorcist <laughs> Exorcist Day. <laughs> totally. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. And now there's a couple people that didn't approve of this movie. Richard Combs from Sight and Sound, who I believe we've quoted before on this show. That sounds familiar. Uh, the film continually struggles to suggest through atmosphere what it promises, but fails to provide in substance. All right. I think I would attribute that to a slow burn with little payoff. <laughs> <laughs> I think is what he's trying to say. <laughs> um, but that could be wrong. Um, and then we have, uh, I'm guessing it's like 
Dick Loach, Dick Loche, maybe, uh, from Los Angeles Free Press. The problem for me is that the movie has no sense of purpose, no convictions. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I agree with you, Dick. Dang. Ricardo Grande over here. Um, <laughs> the budget is $11 million. Of course, this is an estimate. I don't have my abacus handy to determine if that's accurate. Uh, the film opened on December 26th, 1973, just after Christmas. Celebrate Christ one day and then... Celebrate the devil. And then the <laughs> devil. <laughs> Demons and what have you. Uh, the film grossed $193 million in the United States. Worldwide, you're looking at $329 million. And that is not counting any sort of re-releases. If you factor in the director's cut that later... Uh, return to theaters, then you're looking at $441 million, which is impressive on an $11 million budget. Oof. So there you go. Um, all right, we've got some really, really fun trivia. Probably the, the most fun trivia we've ever done. Uh, so the scene where Reagan projectile vomits at Father Karras only required one take. The vomit was intended to hit Jason Miller in the chest, but the plastic tubing misfired, hitting him in the face gross his reaction of shock and disgust while wiping away the vomit is genuine and miller admitted in an interview that he was very angered by the mistake pretty nasty man <laughs> he's like Ooh. i'm a fucking professional i got people throwing shit in my face come on <laughs> you're amateur man you're amateur i'll, I'll be in my trailer <laughs> due to the death threats against linda blair from religious zealots who believed the film glorified satan warner bros had her bodyguards protecting her for six months after the film's release that is awful I ugh, I'll hold off my my comments on that until we get into a little more. But that is that's bullshit, man. She's a kid. So uh, the only teaser trailer, which consisted of nothing but images of the white faced demon quickly flashing in and out of darkness, was banned in many theaters as it was deemed too frightening. And I agree. I completely forgot about that scene until I just read that. Uh, I did notice how they kind of cut the demon face in there every once in a while. And that was pretty goddamn creepy. I didn't, I did not like I did not like it that uh, Linda Blair received her best supporting actress Oscar nomination before it was widely known that previous supporting actress winner Mercedes McCambridge had already provided the voice of the demon by Academy rules. Once Blair was given the nomination, it could not be withdrawn, but the controversy about Blair being given credit for another actress's work ruined her chances of winning the award. That's bullshit. That is some bull honky. If you ask me. You're the one that's always drinking the Academy Kool-Aid, man. You know, I know I, I don't I don't like I like to watch it, but it's kind of like, I don't know, they uh, they they miss a lot. Retrospectively, looking back at things that they gave best picture to or whatever awards, egregious no, errors, right? Sham, it dude. is a sham. It's it's, <laughs> it's I'm who, telling you who got like buddy buddy with whoever. Yeah, yeah. like things like Sh Shakespeare in love beats out saving private Ryan. Are you fucking high? <laughs> did, did you even watch the movie? My I goodness. Did, and I have a cardboard cutout of the two of them. No, one is dead and the love. other one's about to be dead. <laughs> I got a cardboard cardboard cutout of Vin Diesel in saving private Ryan. <laughs> Ethel the Pirate King's daughter. Romeo and Ethel the Pirate King's daughter. <laughs> oh, there you go. Jesus. What a good movie. I'm glad it won Best Picture. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I actually don't really like it all that much. <laughs> no. I just remembered no. that line. It's funny. But yeah, yeah. Uh, that was uh, hard to believe. What a lame I remember, duck. I remember <clears> being <throat> taken aback. 
and then Green Book winning a few years ago. Fuck that. Mm-hmm. Anyways, so though often cited as one of the most shocking scenes in cinema, the crucifix masturbation scene was actually greatly toned down from that of the novel. In the source book, the scene is much longer, gorier, and sexually explicit, with Reagan suffering a broken nose, butchery of her genitals, and orgasming. Ugh, why did I read that? Oh my god. That is, dude, that's gnarly. No, that me gusta. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, I think Edgy, it's... it's only appropriate to give a synopsis. I believe you wrote this or maybe you found no, it from, from I found a website. It on the Wikipedia. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you, Mr. Wikipedia. So Lancaster Marin, a veteran Catholic priest who performed an exorcism in the 1950s, is on an archaeological dig in the ancient city of Hatra in Iraq. Uh, there he finds an amulet that resembles Pazuzu, a demon of ancient origins with whose history Marin is familiar. In Georgetown, actress Chris McNeil is living on location with her 12-year-old daughter, Reagan. She is starring in a film about student activism directed by her friend and associate, Burke Dennings. After playing with a Ouija board and contacting a supposedly imaginary friend whom she calls Captain Howdy, Reagan begins acting strangely, using obscene language and exhibiting abnormal strength. Additionally, there is a poltergeist-like activity in the home at night. Chris hosts a party, during which Reagan comes downstairs unannounced, tells one of the guests an astronaut that he will die up there, and then urinates on the floor. Later, Reagan's bed begins to shake violently, further adding to her mother's horror. Chris consults a number of physicians, but Dr. Klein and his associates find nothing uh, physiologically wrong with her daughter, despite Reagan undergoing a battery of diagnostic tests. One night when Chris is out, Burke Dennings is babysitting a heavily sedated Reagan. Chris returns to hear that he has died falling out of the window. Although that this is assumed to have been an accident given Burke's history of heavy drinking, his death is investigated by Lieutenant William Kinderman. Kinderman interviews Chris. He also consults psychiatrist father Damien Karras, a Jesuit priest struggling with his faith, which only worsens after the death of his frail mother. The doctors, thinking that Reagan's aberrations are mostly psychological in origin, recommend an exorcism be performed, reasoning that believing oneself to be possessed can sometimes be cured by believing that exorcism works as well. Chris arranges a meeting with Karis, and after Reagan speaks backwards in different voices and exhibits scars in the form of words, help me, on her stomach, Karis is finally convinced that Reagan is possessed. Believing her soul is in danger, he decides to perform an exorcism. The experienced Marin is selected for performing the actual exorcism with Karis assisting. Both priests witness Reagan perform a series of bizarre, vulgar acts. They attempt to exorcise the demon, but the stubborn entity, by then claiming to be the devil himself, toys with them, especially Karis. Karis shows emotional weakness after the demon impersonates his late mother and is dismissed by Marin, who attempts to the exorcism alone. Karis enters the room later and discovers Marin has died of a heart attack. After failing to revive Marin, the enraged Karis confronts the mocking, laughing spirit and wrestles Reagan's body to the ground. At Karis's invitation, it leaves Reagan's body and possesses Karis. In a moment of self-sacrifice, Karis throws himself out the window before he can be compelled to harm Reagan, fatally tumbling down a set of stone steps, and thus defeating the demon. Father Dyer, an old friend of Karis, happens upon the scene and administers the last rites to his friend. A few days later, Reagan, now back to her normal self, prepares to leave for Los Angeles with her mother. Although Reagan has no apparent recollection of the possession, she is moved by the sight of Dyer's clerical collar to kiss him on the cheek. As the car pulls away, Chris tells the driver to stop and gives Father Dyer a medallion that belonged to Karis. After they drive off, Dyer pauses at the top of the stone steps before turning and walking away. That is the end of the movie. Wow. Uh, it's, um, 
I'll admit, Justin, I didn't remember parts of this. I'm glad we had the synopsis <laughs> because uh, maybe my mind was just wandering. But yeah, I think that kind of answered a couple of questions I had. But we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. Sure, sure. So when when was the first time that you watched The Exorcist? So I think this is just a running theme. But when I was in the whole Netflix binge, uh, probably back in like 2004 when I was getting Netflix on DVDs, I believe I watched it because, you know, it's The Exorcist and it's it's one of those classic movies, classic horror films. And I was just really getting into horror films at that time. But I think uh, that was when I got it. I thought it was really solid. You know, I wasn't terrified by it, but I, I it was it was creepy when I first saw it. OK, I was going to ask, did it scare you when you first saw it? Because this is oh. when, when I was growing up, uh, my parents were like, oh, my God, it's the scariest movie ever. And they're like fanning themselves with whatever item they had in their a hands. Bible. Like my mom's a got like a TV guide and she's like, oh, my God, the exorcist. <laughs> Sweet Jesus. Yeah, it's uh, I think it's a generational thing because I saw it and I was like, oh, yeah, it was weird, but I wasn't like terrified by it, but I did like it. I thought, you know, I appreciate it. I really liked the music a lot and I was just glad that I could be part of the crowd and be like, oh, yeah, the exorcist, vomit. <laughs> yeah. Ah. yeah, I'm going to earn my priest degree from home and it's going to be amazing. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Jesuit priest. Yeah. University of priest and it's going to be great. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Cool, man. What, what, oh, sorry. What, what year did you see it? Um, I saw it in 1998 for the first time. I was 18 years old. It's actually one of the very first DVDs I ever owned. I had gotten my DVD player in 1998, and I got uh, fucking Total Recall and Taxi Driver were my two first DVDs that I got with my purchase. <laughs> and uh, after four hours and I watched those. I need something else to watch. <laughs> so I watched the exorcist. Did you ever, didn't they like re-release this in theaters in the two thousands? Yeah, they did a director's cut. That's did why ever... the, uh, the gross jumped up to 400 and something, uh, $441 million up from three twenty nine because of the re-release. Yeah. Did you ever see it? Not the re-release. No, hmm. I had just watched it. On digital video disc, <laughs> I had I had it all, man. I didn't need no movie theater experience. You didn't have a director's cut, though. I didn't. If it didn't what? make the cut, I'm not interested. <laughs> I wonder if we watched the director's cut, the one that was on HBO Max, because I believe that. I mean, that's where I watched it. Did you watch it on HBO Max? Yeah, that's where I watched it. I wonder if I don't that's think the it was a director's cut. cut. Yeah, it was a long movie. It was like two hours and what ten oh, minutes, maybe something like that. Maybe. It was definitely long. In fact, let's let's get into the length. <laughs> uh, because uh, it was a very long movie. I noticed that, you know, I'm looking at my watch, you know, I'm like, shit, 30 minutes into it, nothing's really happened yet. And so, <laughs> not that I'm, you know, a terribly impatient human being, but, um, you know, I'm watching, I'm watching Father Marin digging tunnels in Iraq, and I'm watching parties and, and crazy actors yelling at butlers. And I'm just not really into it. I'm just like, what is happening? So, you know, this movie, you know, has a remarkable slow burn. And, you know, what are your thoughts on the following of, of Father Marin, who's uh, Max von Sydow's character for so long? You know, where are you getting anything out of that? Or, or do you feel like it was time wasted? Man, I felt like it was a waste of time. I, I don't get why they focused on him at the beginning. I was expecting maybe some origin backstory. It, it it didn't really give me much or at least it didn't have a lasting impression on me. 
I was anticipating him to show up in the film, but I didn't realize that he would show up so late. It just felt like, I don't know, we we have the, these beginning parts and we had to wait the entire fucking movie to see him again. And I just wasn't bought into his character. You know, did did they ever explain how Reagan became possessed? Wasn't it? It was the Ouija board, right? Or I like, guess. I don't I mean, even remember. I might have so, I might have fallen asleep 18 times. Between, <laughs> that's what I mean. <laughs> uh, like, the, between I the digs. You know, I get tired when the sun's beating on me and he's in the middle of the, of the fucking Iraqi desert and it, it's warm. It's hot. Mm-hmm. The heat. I can't take the heat. And and I don't think I am entirely familiar with uh, with Mr. Demon Pazuzu to know what it is that I'm looking at. <laughs> you know, like I am uh, I am not up to snuff on my uh, my Babylonian mythology, and I don't really know who's good and who's bad. I know that that Gozer was a traveler, and that <laughs> and and there's Zool. that and there's and Zool. That, <laughs> yeah. And I know that, um, you know, it was big in Samaria, but like, I'm just, I don't know. So I didn't get anything out of the beginning. I, I was mm-hmm. just like, all right, well, whatever. Obviously, this is important. He knows things. He's he's weathered. This is a man that's seen and done a lot of things. He's traveled the world. And uh, I, I would imagine that someone that is a world traveler that has experience in other cultures would be able to uh, be sort of your your subject matter expert when the time comes. Yeah. It just takes a long time to get there. You know, in 2005, they actually made a prequel uh, focusing on Father Marin. It was called Dominion. And maybe that was, now that I think about it, maybe that was why I watched The Exorcist, uh, because this movie was close to coming out, and I think I wanted to kind of get a backstory on him and I don't remember it being very good. I remember a couple parts and they were in the desert and that was about it. But mm. I think that, you know, it's it's weird that they had to do a whole prequel for that when they could have just given maybe some narrative or a couple other little things. I mean, it's a two hour and 10 freaking minute movie. You know, Father Marin didn't do anything for me in that time. Right. Yeah, it was that was hard to follow. I mean, I, I could understand that whatever he was unearthing was going to be important and connect to it. But the connective tissue was not there. Right. I agree completely. So there is that. Um, another thing that was concerning to me was, um, was Ellen Burstyn's performance. Like I just, I was not into the mom. <laughs> I thought she was, she was terrible. And the irony there is that she's actually playing an accomplished actor that everyone's excited to meet and speak to. And I, I couldn't stand her performance. What about Ellen, you? For Ellen Burstyn? Yeah. The mom. I don't think I don't think it was terrible. I mean, I definitely think it was forgettable, but that's not saying that it was bad. It it just was one of those. I think that's kind of a microcosm for the film, though, where I I saw it and it was a film and that was about it. It wasn't anything that I remembered her doing anything explicitly. I just like her screams like like when she's like, oh, I I just I wasn't (laughs) I wasn't feeling it at all. I didn't. Uh, the The only time I thought that she was like. like acting appropriately was when she finally had her meeting with, um, with, uh, father Karras. Yeah. Uh, You know, where she's like over it, where she's like tired of people thinking that she's crazy, that she doesn't have an explanation for what's happening. I think that was the only time that I was like, okay, I believe that. I didn't think she had a really good connection with Reagan. And I mean, when the movie's based on the mom and daughter, essentially they're the main characters 
you need to have a really strong relationship. And I wasn't, I wasn't sold on it. Um, so I don't know, maybe that was the script. It could have been anything. So I don't necessarily want to blame Ellen Burstyn, but I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't blown away. I was like, Oh my God, give her the Academy Award. Cause they give Academy Awards to everybody. So. <laughs> right. That's what they do. I know <laughs> you get a statue. You get a statue. You get a statue. Oh yeah. Uh, my goodness. Now, so Linda Blair, you know, she's the real standout in this film. I think it's it's tough to find a child actor that can really nail the role. You know, so many children characters are just throwaways and they take up space with very few lines. But um, this kid was 100% committed to the role. Of course, as noted in our trivia, Mercedes Bacambridge did the voice of the demon. However, I think it's worth noting audiences were fooled by this performance, which really says a lot about Linda Blair's performance. Um, you know, were you sold? And can you think of any other child actors that just swing for the fences. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think she knocked it out of the park. She was fantastic. I felt awful for her when she had the, um, you know, when she had those moments of humanity where she wasn't possessed and she was crying and just mother help me. I just that really got me. I was like, oh, uh, I don't like. But uh, you, she absolutely crushed it, I think. In terms of other actors, maybe. Are you, do they have to be child actors now? Or are you talking like, I was a former child? No, no, no. Like child actors, like it could have been like, like Drew Barrymore in fucking E.T. for all I care. I, just, ah. I was just thinking of of movies that had children actors that you were like, oh, wow, they actually did a really good job. It could be now. It could be oh. 50 years ago. I don't, I don't care. The whole cast of Saved by the Bell. No, <laughs> um, <laughs> so I think Dakota Fanning, for sure. I think that she blossomed into a pretty good actress. She had a, a little... Um, quiet period there for a while, but she's she's coming back, baby. Timothy Chalamet, same thing. He's awesome. Millie Bobby Brown is fantastic. River Phoenix, RIP. I think he was poised for greatness and he would have been on the likes of like Leonardo DiCaprio. Jodie Foster, I think, was amazing and she's still amazing. And then Christian Bale. He was in a lot of, lot of other movies, you know, like Empire of the Sun and such, but uh, did a great job. Still love the guys. Little, little, yeah, it's a fine life working at the banner. But how many papes did you sell today? But yeah, he's great, man. Five, five papes. Yeah, five papes. But um, I think, yeah, I think those are the ones that really kind of come to mind. You have your like Macaulay Culkins and your Elijah Woods. I, Elijah Wood is fantastic in just pretty much anything that he's done. <laughs> did you but, ever see Huckleberry Finn? Yeah, I like that movie. There's a part when he's like, Tom, some's wait, Tom and Huck? Sarah, some's call me Mary. <laughs> Are you talking Tom and Huck, huh? right? Tom and Huck? Uh, is, it, is that what it's called? I thought I it was know. just the Huckleberry Finn movie where he's playing Huckleberry Finn and and he's dressed up as a girl and he's he forgets what name he used. And one, one time he says Sarah, <laughs> one time he says Mary. And he's like, some's call me Sarah, some's call me Mary. And it's just <laughs> the funniest fucking thing ever. I'll never forget it. This is the most obscure Elijah Wood quote or, 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 or poll <laughs> you could have done. <laughs> I know, but it stuck with me. I don't know how old that movie is, but holy shit. He's also he's also Leo uh, Biederman in uh, Deep Impact. And he saves oh, yeah. the world by, by looking through the telescope at the right time and arguing with his girlfriend over what a star is and stuff. Spoiler. Yeah. Comets are still ahead of her. With Lily Sobieski. Oh, yeah. That's Dave's girlfriend, by the way. She's Shout beautiful. Out. Yeah, she's beautiful. Dave does not like her. <laughs> Why? I don't know. He's not into her. I I think she's great. Good people. I don't but trust David's opinions. The, this isn't the Lily Sobieski podcast. This is the uh, 
The Exorcist podcast. <laughs> Isn't that sad that we didn't like the movie so much that we're talking about fucking Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn? Holy shit. Uh, you, you picked it, man. You're the one that I picked it. I don't think so. You did. You definitely did. There's no way I picked <laughs> you this You definitely movie. did. You give me all the shit in the world for picking films, but we had this discussion. We had a Zoom meeting. I 83%. Said, prob- <laughs> probably be there at noon. <laughs> yeah, we fall under the 17%. <laughs> um, so back to, back to this amazing motion picture. Um, you know... <laughs> Could even say I was straight face. Now, are you a religious person for the for the new listeners to this podcast? Are you a religious person, and do you believe in demonic possessions? Okay, I am not a religious person at all. I believe that there's probably a higher power up there, but I would be completely ignorant to to just pick one. Um, I'm not going to crush anybody's anybody's views or beliefs because I think it's important that someone has beliefs as long as it doesn't affect others in a negative way. Um, with that being said, I think I definitely believe in demonic possessions. Um, I it would be but wrong for sorry. That's, go that's ahead. Kind of weird. I'm sorry. I, so you you don't think that de- demons fall under the blanket of like religion and like heaven and hell and gods and I don't, I think I just separate the two. Um, I, I, you know, I don't necessarily know if, if I don't have the answers for it. It's kind of one of those questions that it's hard for me to really believe in one specific God. So I understand that there may be a higher power out there, but I do think that demons are real. Um, I don't know how any, any other way to say that, but it's, it, it is one of the things that just terrifies me, though. You know, I it's honest. Yeah, like I'm saying, it's honestly one of the most terrifying things to me just because you can't see the threat of a demon like you can't see it. Right. So something about seeing the threat just makes it way less scary for me. You got to wear the glasses like Roddy Roddy Piper. Oh, my God. There you go. Yeah. Obey. But, uh, you know, serial killers, ghosts, monsters, all that kind of stuff. I can I can run from those hypothetically or I can fight back because I've watched a lot of movies. But demons like in in uh, this movie or paranormal activity or sinister or insidious, you just got to get a medium, man. You get a medium to, to banish them, basically. But you're not running from that shit. It's 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 too hard to run from it. So I don't know. It's it's a weird question to ask because I don't want to get too philosophical and into religion now's the time you have a platform zachary yeah Zach do Dale i 60. though do i at though? Zach Dale 60 i think so yeah there's I at mean, least eight people that want to know what you're saying okay so let me let me put it this way so uh, as of right now I, I i don't necessarily look at one god i'm not gonna ever denounce god i'm not gonna ever say that you're wrong for believing in x y and z and a b and c is correct uh, but what i will say is i am open to anything So if I were to ever have something occur to me like a demonic possession, which I think is definitely something that can happen, I'm going to find a way to find God. Uh, If that's if I've gone through the gamut of tests like Reagan went through, if I am like, what is going on? I did some push ups. I I went on a mile run. I went on like a 20 mile bike ride. Nothing's happening, right? I need to exercise these demons. So I would then become a man of faith like George Michael. Ding, 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 ding. Maybe that's maybe that's what George Michael's singing about. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he maybe he watched The Exorcist. I believe it. Yeah, I, I do think that. Um, I think if you're gonna have one, then maybe you should have the other. Like, uh, if uh, if there's an evil, then there's a good. And so if 
I, I, I don't think it's crazy to think that if a, if a demon was coming straight from hell, then that would tell me that it would be crazy not to believe that there is a heaven with other, with the forces of good fighting, <laughs> you know, like, like in the movie Legion or something like that, like where you have a war that's happening or Constantine, right? Where there's demons on one side, angels on the other, and we're in between in this, in this plane of existence. Um, I, I think that's fun to think about. Um, sure. I, think I, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's, if it's real as it were, but if, if, if I saw something that is unexplainable, like this child looking the way that she does, her head spinning, uh, she throwing things about the room, the bed shaking like crazy. Um, you know, I would be convinced in less than half a second that this was real. <laughs> I'd be like, holy shit, who knew, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, not that I need to be a seeing is believing type of guy, back to um, the Santa Claus, but... Um, if someone told me this story, like if I had a conversation with a Catholic priest who said, Hey, I did an exorcism. I'd be like, Holy shit, man. Tell me all about it. And I would love to hear it. Cause I, I, I wouldn't assume that they were lying. Or if, if someone, if my walls started to bleed, I would run out of the house and I would believe that my house is haunted. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be like, Oh, there's gotta be a scientific explanation as to why this crud is falling from my, my walls. Um, so I, like you, I am open to where if I saw it, I'd believe it, but I'm not going to dismiss it. Yeah. I don't know. Um, it's, it's, it's really hard to tell because I mean, sure. Maybe, maybe for the yin, there needs to be the yang, but why do we have to be in the middle? Like the Constantine example, why can't, why can't earth be heaven? Why can't we try to figure our shit out? And it's just like, it's a test for it. Ah, oh, fuck. I don't know. I, I don't want to get, I, 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 now I'm just kind of spewing and I haven't really thought of it. And Justin, you caught me with my pants down. You pervert. God damn it. <laughs> yeah, I do that. <laughs> I keep one of them Polaroids on me at all times. Gross. Ain't nobody want to see that. Happen. <laughs> and then I write notes on it. And I, I tack it to my wall. It's cool. To your fridge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. With a little magnet. There you go. You know, little Disneyland magnet. Um, no, that's cool. I mean, it's, it's fine. I, I think it's, it's fun to think about. And I think that's one of the cool things about scary movies is that they play with your imagination and the possibilities. And so when you, uh, have that scary monster where you haven't seen it yet, but you know, something's happening. Um, I think that's when it's most scary. Um, you know, like, uh, did you watch the, ha- the haunting, of Hill house? No, I, I I'll probably watch it though because Bly Manor is coming out soon, so I'll uh, I'm in the, I'm in Spooktober mode, so I'll probably watch sure. it. So I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I don't think it's for everybody, but I definitely enjoyed it. And there are just moments where I'm just like, fuck, I don't like what's happening on screen right now. <laughs> and yeah. then of course we heard a noise in the attic, and then I had to go and investigate it. And I'm just like, man, I'm getting my fucking head chopped off as soon as I stick my head through here. And I'm not excited about it. And it stresses me out. And I just knew that when I'm flashing my little flashlight, I'm going to see like some kid in my attic and I'm going to freak out. And a little bit of pee's going to come out and it's going to be scary. And no one's going to believe me. There was nothing, thank God. But I definitely heard noises in the house. And uh, it's just crazy when a scary movie can can trigger your your thoughts and your imagination to, to run amok. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah nah, I agree. I agree. So, um, do you do you actually believe in ghosts? 
Oh, yeah. I mean, so kind of just like what I was saying with demons, I think that for sure, I I would be incredibly naive to try to say, oh, there's no such thing, right? If there's one thing that Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray taught me is that ghosts are real. But I think that there's varying levels of it. I, I just, I don't know if there's the kind of ghosts that are in the movies, like 13 ghosts, but there could be a Casper here and there. There could be some sort of entity kind of watching over you. It's, I'm not going to cast any of that stuff out, no pun intended, but uh, the ideas of it, I should say, but I'm not going to subscribe to that belief. And I'm not going to say how people are crazy about, you know, like astrology and and whatever and energies and and stones and stuff. That's (laughs) fine. You can, you can, you can do whatever you want. Just uh, please respect my opinion on things too. And I'll respect yours. So with, with ghosts, sure. Uh, I think though that the media has definitely taken paranormal activity and ghosts uh, to sensationalize them. So you get your ghost hunters and all that bullshit on reality TV when all they're really doing is using light tricks, lighting tricks and sound techniques to scare the viewer and just a good host basically. So I think that that's creating an, an unnecessary fright factor with, with viewers so I think people are kind of overanalyzing things that go bump in the night. Um, but yeah, I mean, why not? It's like it's like the same thing. Like if you lost a loved one, then having a certain moment or having some sort of thing where you think there's a divine intervention it has to be explained. Because I mean, we're people who need explanation. It's okay if some people are like, oh, I have a good ghost in my house or you know, this this good energy. Yeah, sure. That's, that's what you want, man. That's your house. You can do whatever you want. So... I don't know. That's just kind of how I feel. Or like the feng shui. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. I like I, I always thought of like um maybe a place where a lot of people were were killed, like some like the fields of Gettysburg or something like that. Like Ugh. just at night, if some sort of weird energy was there, <laughs> you know, like yeah. there was a lot of death on this battlefield. <laughs> and I can just imagine some form of energy that just expels itself. And I don't even want to go <laughs> to with my PKE meter and find out if that's true. I'm, I'm okay with not knowing. Uh, but yeah. I just, I would think that uh, sort of in the same vein of like, um, you know, Lovecraft country in, in episode three, where horrible things happened in this house and now there's leftover energy. Right. Um, you know, the, the very thought of that terrifies me in something like um, horror movies that are that are based on actual events, things like the Amityville Horror, which was um, 1979. Of course, there was that remake that came out much later. Uh, and then like The Conjuring, right, which has started this whole other fucking meta universe of, of horror following yeah. these dolls and, and, and paranormal activity stuff. Um you know, I, I want to believe that that stuff is like totally true and the story had to get out and and, and I'm okay believing that. I'm not going to say, oh, they're, you know, they're full of shit and it's a total hoax. I'm going to say, yep, that, that sucks and I hope that you are okay <laughs> and I'm sorry that this <laughs> happened to you. <laughs> but I'm not going to Bly Manor anytime soon. So. Yeah, pass. yeah, I'm not going to put myself in that position. I, don't, I mean, it's, it's weird how that happens. Like, you know, you see a ladder. And you don't walk underneath it, you walk around it. You see a black. <laughs> right. I, I remember being at like the the fucking the Pierre Lachaise Cemetery in, in Paris. And uh, just, there was a detour that I had to take. And I had to walk along this fence. And this black cat just jumped out of the, the bushes and scared the 
total shit out of me because I'm like in a cemetery and there's this whole superstition of black cat and a beautiful cat is adorable. But I'm just like, of all fucking things to pop out of me right now, I'm surrounded by gargoyle statues and yeah. a fucking black cat. And it, for a second, I was just like, really, guy, can you just go back in the bushes for a second? <laughs> uh, it's kind of funny to think about. <laughs> yeah. But it's only because I saw it. If the, if the cat decided to be a sneaky sneak and, and not reveal itself, I would have never known and I wouldn't have been scared. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, I know, right? I mean, but you watch too many movie films. I do. Well, it doesn't help that I have a podcast. Yeah, podcast for part suck, of. Dude. Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> what can you do? Now, the film explores mental health to an extent. Yeah, I mean, my perception in this film was put them in a home and forget about them. And I find it fascinating. <laughs> Of all words, uh, how people oh, are so quick to judge, you know? And, and there you go, you know? <laughs> That's a nod to Justin Cavender and Dave Edmondson. Thank you so much. Oh, oh man. I, okay. So I always find it interesting how people are so quick to judge and pass the buck. You know, one of my biggest fears, as I talked about a million times on the show, is someone not believing me. You know, how crazy would you sound trying to explain what's happening to your child, uh, to doctors or, or a priest or your friends and family. You know, there's a part at the at the party where, you know, her, her daughter has that episode where she urinates after she talks to the, the astronaut. And which I don't even think I realized was an astronaut until you mentioned it early in the show. Yeah, yeah. I think astronauts need to just wear their outfits <laughs> out in public so we can identify them. <laughs> just walk around with your helmet at least. And, uh, so she's like, oh, excuse my daughter. She's been really sick. Like that's that's an excuse for behavior, right? And I, I, I found that uh, to be interesting. And I, I'm, I'm so, I thought it was crazy how she was just like, I have this party with all my friends and you're embarrassing me. And if she had a squirt bottle, she would have been like, go back to your room. And uh, I didn't like that. Yeah. So. In, in terms of answering, you know, the question that says, how crazy would you sound trying to explain what's happening to your child, your child, the doctor's priest, your f- friends and family? So I'll use the Invisible Man, the Elizabeth Moss one that I just watched recently. It does a, a really good job of um, kind of talking about this without spoiling it too much, without really kind of spoiling it at all. It just does a great job at stoking my fears of someone not believing me, not listening to me when I'm sitting here telling you the color of the pen that I hold in my hand is royal <laughs> blue. <laughs> yeah. The pen is blue. <laughs> so uh, it's it just, you know, it's this trope we see used often in film, but the way that the Invisible Man utilized it, it was just so visceral. It was one of those things that I was watching it alone with the lights off because I really appreciate watching horror films with the lights off. And I watched The Exorcist with the lights off, but I really appreciate doing that. And I was so uh, entranced by the performances on the screen and just what was going on. So The Exorcist does a good job of showing our lack of comprehension of, of mental illnesses, especially if you're like the 70s. Far too often are we so quick to kind of just shove pills, get tests, all that kind of stuff, you know put that down, down our kids' throats, all these pills, whatever mental health. It was, it was barely acknowledged in the seventies, the way it, it should have been. And there are a lot of psychedelics out there. I mean, we were just scraping the surface. Mental health is, is only a being, I should say recognized mental health is only a phenomenon in the past, maybe five years where we've really, really taken it seriously. 
So yeah, that would be terrifying to try to explain to physicians and friends like, hey, my daughter actually has an illness instead of actually talking with her and finding out kind of what it is sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You uh, you seem really angry and you're hurting yourself and I need you to tell me why is, is and, and it's it was just weird how that was pre- how it presented itself. You know, they're running all these tests on her poking and prodding and they don't even have a conversation first. It's just mm-hmm. here. Let's run some tests. And I found that to be remarkable you know and speaking of mental health like what, what are your thoughts on mental health as far as spreading awareness personal care and outreach programs are you are you someone that is comfortable talking about it or, or is it too taboo i think uh asking me five years ago if i was comfortable talking about it shit i mean that's me two years ago and i would say I, I don't want to talk about it but i do think it's a bigger problem and we've done a really really good job in the united states about talking to people accepting and acknowledging what it is we still have a ton of work to do though i think it used to be a thing where men were never supposed to express their emotions we were not supposed you know we we're supposed to suck it up be a man sort of thing but you see these tragic incidents of Uh, Famous people like Anthony Bourdain or Chris Cornell. Anyways, you see that kind of stuff and you think, wow, why would they ever be upset? They have such an amazing life. Like Anthony Anthony Bourdain, he traveled the world and he ate food and he gave reviews. That sounds like an amazing gig, but yet something was in his his head and I don't know what it was. I don't want to speculate. Maybe no one listened to him or something, but he thought that he needed to take his life and that was so heartbreaking. And I just think that... We, we need to get rid of the stigmas and the biases when it comes to understanding mental health. We, we shouldn't be chastising or downplaying the severity of any issues when, when a loved one confides their issues with us. We need to talk to people and we need to spread some goddamn love for crying out loud. I, I, think, I think we just need to provide more resources for mental health too. Like the defund the police movement, I don't want to get into the politics too much about it, but the defund police movement, it's not about eliminating cops. It is, it's about providing them with the proper and kind of just effective resources to handle situations that they may not be equipped to properly handle because cops, they're not counselors. They're not social workers. They, they themselves even need help. And if you provide them with that, that mental health resource, I think you can, you can curb a lot of, of issues. Uh, you can stop them dead in their tracks. It's we would we would be a better country for it. Zach Rancourt, President, twenty forty. <laughs> sure, I, I do. I think I agree. I think it's uh, very important to spread the message of mental health awareness and how it's not a bad thing, and that we all need help uh, in some capacity. Especially like twenty twenty alone has just been a very challenging and taxing year on yeah. the whole planet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, aside from whatever your normal day-to-day challenges are, the the severity of what we've been dealing with this pandemic, whether it be friends, family, or personal, um, you know, with you individually, it's, it's just been taxing on us mentally, physically, and spiritually. And uh, I can't say enough about just how I've had to come up with fun and unique ways to just get out of my funk. You know, like if that's going on a, on a hundred walks a day or, or taking up toy photography, something I did, I'm actually writing poetry now because I'm just literally struggling to just find joy sometimes. Like I've never been happier in my life, but just this weird, 
I don't even, it's almost like a dark cloud that's just, I'm trying to just avoid constantly to just stay in the right like frame of mind, to be positive, and it's hard to do. And, you know, when we worked at Target, I th- one of the things that I thought was remarkable was when uh, you had like five free council sessions with with a, a, a counselor, and it didn't cost you anything. But it was just a number that you can call uh, to deal with any kind of crisis that you're dealing with, whether it be like a financial thing, or maybe you want to hurt yourself, or some sort of family issue, whatever the case may be, you know, you, you had these, these resources and I was like, holy shit, dude, I, I didn't even know this existed. And I don't even think that target did a good job of telling the employees that this resource was available. And it's, it's actually pretty common with a lot of companies. So I urge you to just kind of explore, you know, your HR options when it comes to that. Uh, maybe you are afraid to talk to somebody, um, you're afraid that there's going to be some sort of label that's put on you that, oh, you're a troublemaker or something like that. But I can assure you that is that is not not the case. And uh, we all need help. And I think that watching movies like this is a total reminder that shit, man, there's there's things that are beyond our control that are going to stress us out. And we need to talk to somebody about it. And I think if, if, if you follow me on, on social media, on Twitter, at Edgy Armo, you will see that I have my good days and I have my bad days and I'm not afraid to share if I'm having some sort of panic attack or mental breakdown because I'm happy go lucky all the time. At least that's the perception of me. Stephen or uh, whether uh, Stephen asked me or Zach asked me or David asked me on a podcast, my response is always, Oh, I'm fabulous. And, uh, and I'm not, always fabulous not that, not that i'm lying but i just you know attitude is everything and i tell myself oh yeah i'm fabulous but at the end of the day i need a shoulder to cry on i need someone to talk to um and luckily i have this amazing support system that allows for that not everybody does so i just urge people to take the opportunity to explore and look for different options to have someone to talk to it's there's nothing wrong with you it's okay to be not okay as they say very well said. And I think at this point, it's almost like it's weird if you don't talk to somebody. It's becoming that that uh, taboo thing where it's it's now the social norm to be okay to have a therapy session. It's it's like going to the gym, man. It's the mental right. gym. I totally I totally get it. And for me, you know, I should probably listen to my own advice, but I haven't spoken to a therapist yet just because part of it is just being lazy about it and, and being stubborn. The other part is I haven't really found anybody who I'm who I can truly trust, but I think that's just stuff I got to deal with myself. So yeah, no, I, I think, I think these kind of things, these outlets like podcasts and just friends and avoiding negative social media is, is what really, really helps. But especially with our digital world we live in now. So yeah, that's really hard to do, man. Like oh, I said, so I try hard. to, I try so to hard. just look at <laughs> animal videos, like goats in pajamas, hippity hopping around. I'm like, holy shit, that's what I needed to see right now. In the I saw this deer score a soccer goal the other day. And I was like, holy shit, that's the coolest thing ever. And it's celebrated. It was like, goal. It's like hippity hopping. And I was like, shit, how did it know to do a little dance? It's pretty that's awesome. impressive. Make a little um, love, get down. Yeah. <laughs> no, totally. I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting down man i actually i saw a therapist for a while it was in 2008 and um and it was very good for me and i i guess i have this way of speaking because she kept laughing it was gretchen and she just kept laughing as i was explaining problems that i was dealing with and i guess it was the way that i was presenting my problems it was 
almost like a stand-up bit, I guess, in her mind. And I'm like, is, is it normal for you to laugh? <laughs> and she's like, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm like literally complaining about Stevie Nicks and how she makes words longer and it drives me nuts. And how <laughs> she's just like, like when she's singing. And I'm like, it's, it was getting to me. And every time I got in the car, fucking Stevie Nicks was on the radio. And and it was just it was, it was just one of those hot, crazy summers like Fury Road. And I'm just at a boiling point and Stevie Nicks and Fleetwood Mac would just, <laughs> just set me over the edge, man. And I don't know what it was, but um, it was really, really helpful to speak to somebody. And uh, yeah. yeah, I did it for several months and, and it paid off in spades. And so I just think that, you know, she gave me homework. Like I, there was things, exercises that I had to do. So it's not like you just talk to someone and you're, and you're okay. Sometimes you might need to do some sort of exercise or like a mental exercise, as it were, and uh, and just find some sort of of outlet to to express the things that you're going through. And so I just think that that's important. So in in the same vein of exercising the demons, I do think that we need to exercise our minds and and find a way to to find that joy because it's there. And there's there's definitely people that that are standing all around you and that love you, and you just got to be uh, open to receive it. That's all. Yeah, man. So, you know, what do you say to someone when they come up to you and they say, there's a ghost in my house or my child is possessed by a demon? What do you do? <laughs> I mean, I'm going to look at the whole picture, of course. I'm, I'm not going to say, hey, don't be crazy. But uh, <laughs> Pop quiz, hotshot. Your kid comes up to you and says, I'm possessed by the devil. What do you do? <laughs> I, I think that oftentimes a lot of those people, they say it as hyperbole and and I'm forced to not take it as serious. You know, someone's like, oh, there's a ghost in my house <laughs> or there's, you know, my son's possessed. And it's like or he's playing like a man possessed or something. But if there's something like actual evidence and I can see I'm a pretty good judge of, of people's character and I have a good intuition. And so if someone's like, dude, like there's something going on in my house. I'm going to be like, holy shit. OK, let's let's talk. Like, what what, what can we do? I'm not going to completely dismiss something because if someone is is seriously like Zach, I feel like I'm there's a demonic presence around me. I'm going to go. Let's go exercise those fucking demons. Let's do something, man. Let's go get Father Marin. But, you know, I, and I'm not even joking. Like, we'll, I'll, I'll do some research for you. And, and we, we're in this together. You, you I got your back. Um, <laughs> Quick, to my stepdad's pickup truck. <laughs> what is that from? Why do I Dude, know that? where's my car? There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> the continuum transfunction. <laughs> oh, uh, Christy Boner. But yeah, I would um absolutely try to listen and help him. Like, what about you? Would you, if I was like, Justin, I got this ghost and he keeps making pottery in my living room and he's so sexy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'd be like, oh my God, I'll be right over. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I'd say get the hell out of there. Come stay with me. Yeah. It's, yeah. but we'll build well, the a fort. Thing- the thing that's scary, though, I mean, in movies like uh, Sinister, is the demons and the ghosts, they follow you, even in Paranormal yeah. Activity. You know, you can't really. So I'm not I'm not putting that evil on you, Ricky Bobby. I'm not going to bring that to you. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I would definitely say, OK, let's um, let's let's figure this out. Let's consult the Internet. What does right. the Google say we do? Um, and, and I would go from there. But I, I definitely would want to help the person. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be like, dude, pound sand. I'm not interested. <laughs> um, I'd be scared, sure. No, I'd but be um, yeah, I, I definitely would want to help, though. Yeah. 
Um, now, Father Karras is an interesting character. He's a psychiatrist struggling with uh, taking care of his mother and even calls into question his own faith. He's he's a he's a fragile man and he's dealing with with this possession. Uh, you know, it, it questions everything that he believes in. So but both in science and in religion. Were you sympathetic to his character? Not at all. I <laughs> I was. I didn't really care about him. He's a weird runner when he was running around the track. I just was like, eh, whatever. I mean, I was sad that his mom died and everything, but I alone. Yeah. I just, that, yeah. I, that, I mean, but look what's happen, happening right now. It's super topical with COVID. I, I feel awful for anybody who's lost a loved one and they, they couldn't say goodbye, but it's for, for me, I just, I, I couldn't get behind his character. I, I wasn't, I just wasn't sold. I wasn't bought in by him. And maybe that was just because it was so slow and there wasn't really anything to kind of go off of, but I don't know. If he, if he was the hero of the movie, then so be it. I just didn't see it. Right. So that's the thing, right? Like, he's not even the hero. He's just a guy that's involved <laughs> and he's in over his head. Yeah. So I, I did think that that was, that was kind of kind of weird. Like, yeah. it's, why why am I focusing on, on Father Mirren's character at the beginning? And then he is off on his own adventures for a while. Yeah, that's what I, I mean. And I got to deal with this guy. So I... I Maybe these two should have been merged and it should have been one guy fixing everything. I don't, I don't know. It was kind of strange. A buddy cop have, film, right? Yeah. <laughs> They're banishing ghosts left and right. Banishing yeah. demons all throughout the world. Once old, the, Father Mary needs to retire. He's he's two days from retirement and Father Karras is a wild card with a mullet. Yeah, that been fun. it would have been cool if they were in like a little Pope mobile and, and, and Father Karras is driving and Mirren's in the up at the top in the plastic and just kind of waving to everybody with... Kicking some ass. Holy water at people. Yeah, yeah, Priest maybe. parade. Yeah, he's got like a fire hose. <laughs> he's like on the back of a ladder, one of those old fire trucks, and just struggling to make it work. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I agree. I, I was I I wanted to be fascinated by this Father Karras, but it just it wasn't happening. Like I, right. I, I was definitely sympathetic about his mother. Uh his his Uncle was a piece of work, and then I just I thought it was I thought it was crazy. I'm like, why why am I even talking to this man when he's not even a hero in this movie? Yeah. So I, I'm with you on that. Maybe we just don't get it. Maybe maybe it is a generational thing, and we're just not into it. But now, like when Father Mirren shows up outside the house, and we see that iconic shot with the light and his silhouette holding his bag of tricks. You know, did that shot give you a sense of hope? Like, bring on the big guns and everything's going to be okay. Did you know in that moment, like, this is this is it. This is about to happen. No, not really. I mean, I didn't really know anything about Father Marin. I, you know, they didn't tell us a thing about him. So it was, sure, I mean, cool, but he's just some guy. Uh, I, I wish think so. I think I think when the priests were having the meeting at the at the church, they're like, oh, let's get let's get Father Marin. He'll know what to do. He's experienced. Yeah. So they had it, that conversation. Maybe you it, missed it. Yeah, I mean, I was probably just bored. So um, in in, <laughs> in Constantine, uh, that's a that's an awesome movie flick. But when he is banishing the demon from the girl in the mirror at the beginning, that's badass because he just kind of comes in and no one really knows what he's doing. But you just know with his screen presence and part of it could be Keanu Reeves. But with his screen presence, you're like, this guy's a badass. He knows what he's doing with Father Marin. I was kind of like, eh. I mean, it's got cool music. And he was in the desert once, but I don't know, man. I couldn't. I. I just. I. I didn't. I didn't get it. Right. Maybe we need Stephen Alva Wood to break this down for us. He'll be like, <laughs> "We no. suck." How do, you, how do you tell us why this movie's amazing? <laughs> He'll be like, "What it's all about is." No, I'm just kidding. 
That's not that's a horrible impression of Steven. And apparently, <laughs> apparently, that's a horrible impression. Watch the Powerball. Oh, man. So I guess I guess my, my follow up was going to be, did, did the exorcism scene live up to your expectations? Like, did you take notes? Are you prepared to deal with this shit if it if it ever comes to it? I mean, I, I definitely think the the scene, though, the exorcism scene was crazy town banana pants. I, I, I really enjoyed it. You know, like the head turning, the room shaking, the vomit, the fuck me, all that stuff. I hated every moment of it just because it was it was disturbing. And I really that woke me up. I mean, I was watching this and just kind of, eh, you know, until that. And I'm like, oh, it was gruesome. It was uh, it was weird. But I, I definitely I enjoyed that a lot. Did you I'll follow up with something with you. What was the most gruesome or scary scene for you? Was it the crucifix one where she's stabbing her vagina? That So that was off putting, to say the least. Um, but I think, I think it was a combination of things. I think when the bed started shaking and the mom didn't have any answers, like, well, she's literally saying, well, you're telling me that, that there's nothing wrong with my daughter, but I saw the bed shake violently. So for me, that was what I connected with most was when things are happening and there's no explanation. I thought that was the scary thing. Uh, not, I can appreciate the exorcism and all this horrible things that are happening, but when I got invested when no one's believing her, because that's just my thing. Right. Some, I was like, oh, shit, I hate that part. <laughs> yeah. How do you how do you tell somebody? Yeah, man, I my bed was shaking and we didn't have an earthquake and you're not going to believe me. So I don't even want to have this conversation right now. So. Now, are are there any movies that you consider to be scripture on how to deal with magic monsters or mayhem? <laughs> I like the scripture term. Um yeah, so Monster Squad, I think that's a fun movie. And I think they hit all of your classic movie monster tropes of how to, you know, Wolfman's got nards and how to basically defeat different monsters. I think that one's pretty spot on. Fright Night, even, we were talking about that on a previous on uh, the Twilight podcast or whatever you did, where right, they, now we're you, talking. Yeah, you have all the different ways to kill a vampire. Uh, same thing with the Lost Boys too. I think the Frog Brothers really explain it, and that's kind of uh, oh yeah, garlic just works, you know, all that shit. Dawn of the Dead too. I use just that as an example because I mean, for me, I would just at a zombie apocalypse, I would go to a giant like Costco or a mall. So well, same with The Walking Dead. Uh, a Cabin in the Woods hits on a lot of the tropes, and I think it's hilarious. I love that they're all kind of like, eh, no, 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 we need to stay together. Why would we split up? Like they break all of those those motifs in horror films. And then finally, like A Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, I think that Freddy Krueger is one of the scariest creatures in all of film. And how do you stay awake? Your body physically can't. So when they devise plans like, hey, we can fight back. I think that was so cool. So if uh, if ever I was tired and, and Freddy Krueger is real, I'd go to sleep and I would just get that motherfucker out and I would blow him up in my house with light bulbs and with jackhammer, or not jackhammer, sledgehammers, and he would be toast. He'd be burnt toast. <laughs> He's already burnt. It'd be even burnt or toast. Put some put some water on. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rehydrate him. So. Yeah. <laughs> Get some topical cream and make him look a little better. Get some ointment for that. Some burnt ointment. ointment there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't about, I know it. What about you? Can you think of any other movies? That Those are, are all fantastic examples. Uh, Monster Squad was always fun when I was a kid. I thought that was great. Uh, Dracula gets in his little car. <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I know. Oh, jeez. Oh, but and, like the little girl wasn't afraid. You know, the monster of Frankenstein shows up and she's like, hey, what's going on, man? What's candy? Yeah. And um, and I liked that, that she was the hero in that story. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, all these kids that are acting so tough all the time. And it was, you know, this this innocent child that just knows better. I like that. Yeah, I love that movie. I think it's so fun. It's pretty good. And Lost Boys too, same thing. You know, I, I was a teenager when I saw that, so I, a young teenager. Uh, I, yeah, I was like, I mean, maybe it was eleven or something. That doesn't matter. But I was at that age where, where I was like, oh man, this shit's real. This is this is how we gotta do things. Mom, I need a super soaker. Uh, <laughs> you know, we need to go to the fucking store. I gotta get some shit, some garlic shit, and it's gonna be great. And um, I just I wanted to be prepared for that sort of thing. And, you know, I'm not a gun guy by any stretch of the imagination. And I don't even like knives. I, I fucking hate when, like, my brother-in-law, he always just has a knife on him. Like, he's fucking Crocodile Dundee. And, <laughs> and, and it comes in handy when I need to open something. I'm like, hey, you got your knife? And he's just like, wow, just, like, flips it open and he kicks some ass. I'm like, I got a switchblade comb. He's got, like, real knives. And so he's always able to open stuff. And, uh, yeah, I had, the, I had these throwing knives one time. My dad got me these throwing knives. And I remember talking on the phone and I'm twirling around and then I missed. I didn't catch it. And it just stuck right in my leg. Like, ah! <laughs> it was like totally like Ace Ventura when he's getting the, the spears yeah. in his legs kind of thing. And it was awful. And so ever since then, I just haven't really liked knives. And I almost cut my leg off with a sword once. Also Jesus sucked. Christ. Yeah, I was twirling around. It was so funny. I, I stayed home from school that day and I had this katana sword. I'm twirling around like, like a total badass. I'm fucking Connor McLeod of the Clan McLeod being so cool. And I start taking steps as I'm twirling, twirling, twirling. And then I hear like this shink. And I was like, well, I can't be good. <laughs> and so I just kind of limp over to the bathroom. And then my leg is just pouring out blood. And my sock is already red. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, right? So then I clean my wound. My skin is like peeled inside of my oh, leg. God. And I had to like dig it out. And it's oh. really gross. And my dad comes home from for, for lunch, right? He's a, he's a principal and he decided to leave school and come home and have lunch. And, and he looks at me and I just have like this wad of paper towels stuck to my leg. <laughs> and he's like, he just looks at me and he's like, what happened? I'm like, well, let me tell you how stupid your son is. <laughs> <laughs> I was like 16 years old. And he's like, and he looks at it and he's like, Justin, you, you, we got to get you to the hospital, man. You need stitches. I'm like, if I go to the hospital, then mom's going to find out. She's going to be really, really mad. And, and you're going to be just as in trouble as I am because you're the one that got me the sword. And he's like, fuck. <laughs> and so, so we opted to just clean it really, really well. And just keep the paper towel on my leg. And we just kind of dressed it and made it look nice. And I walked I l- later the, the next day. So that was a Thursday. Friday, I go to uh, the high school football game. And I literally have a paper towel watered, like, like folded nicely and taped around my leg. And it was underneath my jeans. And no one knew that I just had this <laughs> gnarly wound with my leg just barely hanging on by a string. And, uh, and it was awesome. Jesus I, Christ. <laughs> I am not prepared to fight creatures because I suck with a sword. Who knows? That was a long story to say in the, uh, I want to kick ass, but I can't. I don't know what creatures are dying by swords though. Blade has a sword. And Blade does have, I guess vampires, but his is like, his is silver, right? Doesn't he have a silver sword? Well, I mean. Silver steel. Sure. (laughs) It's it's the same color as silver. Does that count? (laughs) Sure. Why not? Silver plated. There we go. <laughs> Stainless steel is silver. Yeah, there you uh, go. But not really. No. Um, 
So yeah, there's that. Now back <laughs> back to this amazing movie that we just don't want to talk about. Uh, what are your What are your final thoughts on The Exorcist? What What letter grade do you give it? Do you give it an E for Exorcist? Um, oof, you know, I I didn't like this movie. I I, I really didn't. Um, it's it's surprising because you know it's hailed as the scariest film of all time and. Scariest it, movie of December 1973. There you go. Yeah. And and for me, the movies that that I really like are the ones that are paranormal and like the psychological activity stuff. I was just bored while I was watching this and, and maybe it suffered from pacing or even just being a near 40 year old movie or yeah. Um, but I tried to look at it through a lens of living in 1973 and I, it, it still failed for me. So I. I'll say like to this day, Paranormal Activity, the very first one was the scariest movie that I've ever seen. And the only reason why is because of how the sound was and how realistic it can be. There's a scene in that when Katie gets dragged out of her bed by some sort of thing and you hear footsteps and doors closing. And I remember listening to that in theaters because that movie relies on sound. So in the theater, when the volume's up really high, you're hearing all that little stuff, the bumps in the night. And I was terrified. I get goosebumps when I think about it. So when I got home, it was hard to go to bed. I mean, I was laying awake for a good 30, 45 minutes listening to every little uh, air conditioner kick on, refrigerator kick on, what have you. Uh, So that kind of stuff just terrifies me. And I really wanted The Exorcist to be like that. Uh, I think that when you take when you, when you take something that is nonfiction and you put it in this kind of, I'm sorry, when you take something that is fiction and you put it in this nonfiction world, that's, that's how you can strike gold with, with modern horror films where, Hey, this could happen sort of thing. But yeah, for, for a letter grade, I, um, I I think just because it's a classic, I got to give it that I do applaud the exorcism scenes and, much akin to Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which came out a year after this. That movie terrified me. Uh, this movie did not. So, oh man, I don't even know. Uh, C minus for, for The Exorcist. <laughs> it's it's tough, dude. It's 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 tough because I don't want to downgrade it too much, but I just, no, I, I saw it that one time. I'm glad. I don't need to see no director's cuts. I don't need to see no prequels. I don't need no extended three disc Blu-ray editions with bonus content. I'm good. I am good. What about you? Uh, yeah, I think I'm in the same boat. This is a, it's a fun boat, party boat. Yeah, yeah it's a life raft. <laughs> we see. are the boat. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's good stuff. The, the boat from uh, speed to cruise control. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and Jason Patrick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Michael. He was in sleepers. <laughs> he was like Michael. Michael. Kevin Bacon raped him in sleepers. Whoa, spoiler. <laughs> yeah, Wilkinson's home for boys, dude. Gotta have rules. Gotta have discipline. I am not entirely sold on this movie either. I hadn't seen it in a really long time. I mean, it's been over 22 years since I've seen it. And um, it can be another 22, another, another 20 años <laughs> for uh, yeah. this hombre. I am, I am over it. I, I don't need it. And uh, I think a C minus is an, an astute observation. <laughs> <laughs> So interesting. Yeah. So we um, one really cool thing that when Justin and I were talking about doing movies for Spooktober was uh, I found a cool. Let me backtrack a little bit. I think horror, the genre of horror is so diverse. You can have tons and tons of subgenres, and then I would say sub subgenres from there where you can break it down. And, and horror is just one of those diverse categories of film. 
we've had this discussion before about is this a horror film? Is this not a horror film? Are these zombies? Are they not zombies? Whatever. I'm always right. Justin's always crazy. But anyways, I found a chart from horroronscreen.com that kind of breaks it down into what do we got? Six main horror genre categories. And this is obviously up for interpretation, but here we go. So there's gore and disturbing, psychological, killer, monster, and zombies falls under monster, and then paranormal. So I apologize. That's five. But the exorcist falls strictly under the paranormal subgenre. And then the genre below that would be possession. So movies like the right are in there. That was, I think that was with Anthony uh, Hopkins, sir, Anthony Hopkins, and then the exorcist. And then like the exorcism of Emily Rose, things like that, where there's a possession. Uh, Justin, is this a straight, paranormal possession film or could this be kind of a hybrid of a couple different things i think for the sake of this argument i would just say yeah it's just a a paranormal uh possession movie like i I don't think it's like a psychological thriller like i wasn't torn Mm -hmm. uh i I wasn't calling things into question because i think i think when it's like an honest to goodness uh like total mind fuck you kind of question everything that you th- have ever thought about that situation. And I never did with this movie. Right. Um, and so if it's going to be some sort of psychological thriller where I ask myself like, Oh my God, this is, this is crazy. Is this, is this how it would be? You know, what would I do? And I, I never really uh, questioned myself while watching this movie. Right. And I think that a real psychological thriller gets in your head and does that. I mean, I tried really hard to probe for for different questions and thoughts and concerns regarding this movie, and I was driving the struggle bus, man. I just <laughs> it's just not not in the cards. Yeah, it was uh, it was tough, I know. But yet we just spent like an hour and a half talking about it. That's so funny. Well, we, well, were we not didn't. Really, we yeah, weren't talking we, about this. I we know, were trying we to find other fun things. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit! Oh, well, I mean, what does that say, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. like for me, something like uh, like Saw. To me, that is a total, like, while it is gore, I think the very first Saw is 100% a psychological thriller. You know, what would you do in this situation? You either, one of you can die, or you can both die, or you can dig through the guy's fucking body to get a key or whatever, <laughs> cut your own leg off. Things things happen in this movie, and and that is one of those kinds of tests that I hope no human being is ever put in. And to me, that is a psychological thriller. That is something where you're just like, holy shit, it is uncomfortable, it's cringe, and and it and it calls into question what kind of character you are. Who who would you be in this movie and would you make it out alive? Right. Absolutely. So yeah, I agree with you. It's I think just straight possession. I think it was really before all these subgenres kind of came out. Um, I think it was just scratching that surface, but yes, I think this is a straight possession film. Sure. I think it opened the doors for possibilities. Like, here's this movie that's that we could argue in 1973 is is good, but how do we make it great? Yeah. There um, you go. And and you just add a couple of couple of flavors to it. Ooh, like vanilla and vanilla bean. Spice it up, like the the chains and whips and ball gags and stuff. And cuffs. Smack a little booty up with my belt. <laughs> Scream help. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You there know you what I'm talking about. Oh, this yeah. guy gets it. This guy gets it. <laughs> when you're 30 you'll understand that's all i got man i'm, I'm done talking about this movie film spectacular <laughs> all right 
Well, me too. Thank you for listening to another fun and festive episode of the Don't Be Crazy Podcast. Remember to follow us on Twitter at DBCrazyPod, at EdgyArmo, and at ZachDale60, where you can share your thoughts with us and we'll discuss them on our show. If you have an idea for which film we should watch next, let us know. All that we ask of you is don't be crazy. Also, be sure to check out the Geek Legacy Podcast with David, Randy, and myself. And we talk about everything in the realm of entertainment news, as well as the Pixelated Podcast with Stephen K. Jane, where he talks about the video game. Keep rocking and rolling, baby. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Kansas City. <laughs> Kansas City. Oh, shit. <laughs>